questions? So does everyone have a packet? We're going to need, uh, need, need to have a packet, need to have the verses. So good? We're good? Okay, great. So let's find uh, message two here. Message two. And let's go ahead and read the title together. Y'all see it? Yes. All right, one, two, three, go. From sons to members. Amen, let's read it again. From sons to members. Alright, who remembers the title of message one? From sinners to sons. Alright, so it's a pretty simple overview of Romans here. This is the two halves of the book of Romans, and the gospel of God is structured according to this twofold movement. You gotta catch this. There's a twofold movement in the gospel of God. Uh, there's a structure to the good news, and we are going from sinners to sons, praise God. Isn't that good news? Yes. But there's more good news. We are also going from sons to members, to sons wow. to members. So let's briefly uh, contrast these two sections of the gospel of God and Romans. The first half is Romans 1 through 8. So you might want to just jot this down like a little chart, a little table. We're going to have two columns. We've got Romans 1 through 8 on uh, the left column, and the right column is Romans 12 through 16. 9 through 11 is a parenthetical insertion where Paul is dealing with the question of the status of the Jews in relation to the Old, Old Testament and God's covenant with them. So that's a kind of a parenthetical section. Uh, but 1 through 8 and 12 through 16 are our two sections we're considering today. Chapter 12 is the direct continuation of Paul's thought in chapter 8. So this is the kind of the, the thought you've got to get here. So we've got our two columns. On the left, Romans 1 through 8 is, we could call it, the process of life. The process of life. So that process was described by Chris. We were condemned, we're being, we are justified, we're being sanctified, and we will be glorified. We are in a life process. God's life is the focus of the first half of God's salvation, and God's life is working within us to make us sons in every dimension and aspect of our being. On the second column, we've got the practice of life. We've got the process of life. But as that life works within us, there needs to be a manifestation in practice, in practice, and that is going to be on the body of Christ within the church. On the left hand, we've also got, this is an individual focus, an individual. So you went from being a sinner under God's condemnation to being a son of God, back in the house again, back in the house again. So this is individual focus. What do you think the second column here is mirroring individual Corporate, yeah, we got corporate here. So Romans 12 is shifting to the corporate aspect of the gospel of God. And back on the left column here, the last uh, row is sons. What the gospel produces in the first half of Romans is sons. And on the, on the right column, what the gospel produces in the second half is members, members. Okay, so this is, this is Romans in a, in a real easy overview. So hopefully you can take this away. The two sections of Romans, the gospel of God is what God does in us with his life through that process of saving us to the uttermost, much more salvation. It makes us individual sons of God. But Chris pointed out a predicament that a lot of us face in the first half of God's salvation. What was that? We feel uh, we're eternally... Given and then we go and we are wretched. Exactly. Not good news. 
not good news. So there's, there's got to be better news. Well, or I'll put it this way. If there could be a, 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 a situation where we weren't just eternally forgiven, but presently wretched, that would be better news, wouldn't it? Okay, the deliverance we need to find here is in the body of Christ. The body of Christ is what will save you from your current state of wretchedness. When we realize we are members one of another, and that we draw our supply from the body of Christ, from the members in our practical relation, relation with them, we're going to find out in just a second, we will find not added strength, but multiplied strength. Multiplied strength only exists in the body of Christ when you realize practically, I am members one of another, and I draw my strength not only from Christ the head, but from Christ the body. This is awesome. This is awesome. So this is more good news. So basically, this is kind of the overview. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump into Roman numeral one here, and let's read this uh, all together. Ready, set, go. The will of God, the body of Christ for his manifestation and move. Okay, so in Romans 12, we're going to see this verse in a second. Um, there are three great chapters in the, in the New Testament related to the will of God. So obviously, the will of God is kind of like El Dorado, right? Everyone, everyone wants to get there. Everyone wants to find the city of gold. But no one knows how to get there. No one knows what it is. No one's seen it, right? So write these three chapters down. There's three great chapters in the New Testament that if you want to know the will of God, you just got to read these three chapters. Of course, you got to understand them too. But you just got to read them. That's step number one. So Ephesians 1, Hebrews 10, and Romans 12. These are the three great chapters on the will of God. If you want to know what God's will is for God, His macro will, his will not for you personally in terms of his leading, what school to go to, who to marry, what job to take, what to do with your free time, what to do with your money. That's God's micro will. God does have a leading for us individually, but God has a macro will, a will for himself. Why did he create the universe? What does he want to accomplish? What does he want to gain? So Ephesians 1, Hebrews 10, and Romans 12 will let us know. So this, 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 this evening, we're in Romans 12. So this is a chapter on the will of God. So if you want to know what the will of God is, pay attention. Amen. Pay attention. Wow. And we already got it in point number one. What is the will of God? The body of Christ. God's will is the body of Christ. And to God, to Christ, the body is two things. Two things. What are they? What is it? Exactly. So again, I just want, you, I want this to be a real clear takeaway. The, the body of Christ to God is two things. It's his manifestation, and his move. So think about it. If I want to contact Alan, where do I do it? If I want to meet him, if I want to talk to him, if I want to see what he's like, where do I do that? I got to find where his body's at, right? At least I got to find a picture of his body, a video of his body. I got I to gotta, I gotta somehow come into association with his body, how does God manifest himself today? Through us, wow. his body. Wow. We are crucial to God. Amen. People see God through us, through the body. And then also, the body is God's move. How does God move? How did God move to you? How did God move in your life? You met somebody. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody said something to you. Somebody opened the word with you. And all of a sudden, when you came into contact with the body of Christ, God started moving in you. If God wants to move to a new city, how does he do it? His body. He manifests himself. 
and he moves through the members of his body. Okay, so this is starting to show us how crucial we are to God as members of the body of Christ. And so I want to, I want to tell you, um, I want to give you a little illustration here. Well, let's read the verse here. Let's read Romans 12, 4 and 5, the two verses. Let's read that. Ready, set, go. Just as in one body we have many members, and all the members do not have the same function, we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Okay, so go ahead and square one body in Christ. Just put a big box around that. One body in Christ. And then go ahead and underline, uh, if you really want to do it right, do a double underline on function, function, and members one of another. These are the kind of the, the two things we're going to look at, at in relation to the body of Christ. Okay, so first off, the body of Christ is not a metaphor. You got that? It's not a metaphor. Our body is a metaphor to help us understand the reality of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is not a metaphor to help us understand other sorts of relations and associations. God gave us physical bodies so we could understand what his body is really like. So the body of Christ is not a metaphor, it's a reality. And the body of Christ is not an organization, it's an organism. Organisms depend on life. How do you know something's living though? This goes back to biology 101. How do you know something is living? Do we, is this table living? How do we know that? Did somebody, did somebody say it doesn't have life? That's how we know it's not living? <laughs> Give that man a uh, prize. How do we... It doesn't really have the answer for what life is. We, have, no, uh, we do have some indicators of life, some though. Indicators. What are some indicators of life? For instance, metabolism, metabolism. right? Uh, do we got some bio majors in the house? <laughs> what's that? Uh, biological energy production. Okay, yeah. So what's a very basic indicator of life? Growth is a good one. Yeah, growth is definitely an indicator of life. There's another very basic one. Yeah, okay. Okay, so what is... Okay, yeah. So let's, let's reduce those to a very simple word. They all have function. They all have some sort... Some sort of biological function. Something happens. They do something. They move. They work. They produce, even metabolism is a kind of inward functioning. So if we are the body of Christ, if we are the body of Christ, yet we look at our lives and we don't see much function, how much are we in the body? So you are a member of the body. That's a spiritual reality. You became a member in the body of Christ through regeneration. But are you living in the body? Well, just look at how much you have a spiritual function. That should be an indicator to how much you're living in the body of Christ. Okay, so listen to this. So this is crucial to God. Our function ultimately is good news to God because through our function, he manifests the capabilities of his life and he moves on earth to accomplish his purpose. So if we don't function, we are limiting God in his desire and in his move and in his purpose. So the, the body of Christ is ultimately good news for God. Good news for God, because through the body, he manifests himself and he moves. So I want to read you a quote from C.S. Lewis, all right? Everyone loves C.S. Lewis. Here's a good quote. Listen to this. It's from Mere Christianity, page 64 and 65. When Christians say that Christ is in them, they do not mean something mental or moral, all right? People say, Christ is in me. 
We're not just talking about like a concept, a mental concept, or a moral, like I have undergone an ethical change in behavior. When they speak of being in Christ or of Christ being in them, this is not simply a way of saying that they are thinking about Christ or copying Christ. So C.S. Lewis is saying this is not just WWJD. It's not just thinking, what would Jesus do, and copying him. They mean, they mean that Christ is actually operating through them. That the whole mass of Christians are the physical organism through which Christ acts. That we are his fingers and muscles, the cells of his body. So when we say we're the body of Christ, we really mean if Alan wants to move, how is he going to move? Through the body. If Christ wants to move, how is he going to move? Through us. But how much are we allowing Christ to move? How much are we functioning? How much are we, are, are we aware that there is this head-body interdependence? Okay, so listen to this. this I've been telling you some of, the, some of you guys this, uh, the story I read recently. Don't get too grossed out. But there is an uh, Italian scientist named Sergio Canavero. Sergio Canavero. And he is one of the leading proponents for uh, eventually doing head transplants. Head transplants. And it's, it's not like a weird, like, you know, Frankenstein thing he has in mind, but he, like, wants to help someone who's, like, paralyzed but has a perfectly functioning brain, but their body is non-cooperative. And so he wants to take a perfectly good head and put it on someone's body who's perfectly good but just no longer alive. So that's what he wants to do. Kind of, kind of amazing, right? Kind of crazy. So I just read this article last week. Okay, and so, okay, so... <laughs> So, is everyone with me here? <clears throat> okay, so why don't you two bros stand up here. Help me out here. <clears throat> this is trying to show the, the intimate, intimate relationship between our person and our body, okay? So here we go. What's your name? Luke. Luke and? John. Okay, Luke and John. So Luke... <laughs> two great names. Part of the... Y'all are brothers? Oh, my gosh. All right. All right, okay, <laughs> great. Okay, so we got Luke. Let's say Luke is uh, paralyzed, okay? Gone through an accident or something, he's paraplegic. So, yeah, let's take a seat. <clears throat> Good idea. <laughs> but Luke has uh, thoughts. He has a personality still. He can do things, uh, you know, in, uh, intellectually. He can communicate. He can talk. He just can't move. He can't function. And uh, was it Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? I can't remember. Yeah, John. <clears throat> John, I know it wasn't Romans, <laughs> the fifth gospel. So we got John. John has, uh, John's deceased, okay? So what we want to do, I know, it's sad, it's tragedy. What we want to do, what, what Sergio Canavero wants to do is take this head and put it on John's body. Okay, so we got, the, we got what Canavero wants to do here, right? This, we don't have the technology to do this yet, but he's experimenting on, on, on mice, on rats, on monkeys, and he's experienced some success, but not enough to make it a, a real possibility. Here's the question that this article I read was written by another scientist. He said, eventually probably we'll get the technology to be able to do this, reconnect the spine with the, the, you know, all the nerve endings. But this is the question he wants to raise right now. Who will this be? Who will this be? We got your head on your body. Who are, who, who are you? Who is the resulting person from the surgery? 
And he says this, this is really interesting. He says, we think, who do we think it would be? Why do you think it would be Luke? Okay, okay, see, you think, and this is the point the guy makes, we think we are only our head, or we are mainly our head, but we are equally our body. And listen to what he says. He goes, first, our brains are constantly monitoring, responding to, adapting to our bodies. An entirely new body would cause the brain to engage in a massive reorientation to all its new inputs, which over time could alter the fundamental nature and connective pathways of the brain. The brain will go undergo a transformation because it is a new person. Your brain would not be the same brain as it was when it was still attached to your old body. We don't know exactly how that would change you, your sense of self, your memories, your connection to the world. We only know that it will. Okay, so anyways, he goes on and on. The point is, and, and then later he says, <clears throat> your personality may be radically different, or your, your old personality may be radically different because you are connected to a new body. And your serotonin levels are all in your gut, 95% of your serotonin, which de determines your mood, your psychological states. You know, people who uh, are being treated with, uh, for depression, there's serotonin involved. Well, most of your serotonin is in your gut. It's in your gut. And so his whole point is our body actually contributes to who we are so thoroughly that if, even if we put your head <clears throat> on your body, you would still contribute to the new person. If you had, if you had, if, if whoever, <laughs> if the new person had kids, whose DNA would they have? The bodies. They would have the body, the body guys, the guy who donated the body's DNA. Okay, anyways, you can take a seat. We are members of Christ's body. We are very aware that Christ influences us and Christ affects us. Are we aware that we influence Christ? We affect Christ. If he wants to be expressed, how do people see him? But how do people see us? Through our living, through our responses, through our decisions, through our feelings about things, people get to know Christ. You are equally your head as you are your body. So Christ is here, but Christ is also here. And we are very crucial to God in his manifestation and move. Okay, I want to tell you one more story. I told this before, maybe a year or two ago, so some of you guys may remember this. Um, there was a guy named Jean-Dominique Babé. Jean-Dominique Babé. Does anybody remember this story? Okay. Maybe one second. Jean-Dominique Jean Babé is a French actor, author, and editor of the magazine Elle. He's a French guy. And um, at age 43, Jean-Dominique Babé uh, woke up one morning. He had a massive stroke. And he was in a coma for 20 days. And when he awoke from that coma, he was completely paralyzed. He couldn't move his hands. He couldn't move his legs. He couldn't move his neck. The only thing he could do was blink his left eye. He was fully alive. He was fully there. He had uh, full mental abilities. He couldn't talk. He couldn't talk. All he could do was blink and look with his left eye. So, um, I mean, imagine, imagine waking up after a stroke, you're, you're in a coma for 20 days, and, and literally, you, you can't say, I'm here, help me, I, I, need, I need something. You can't motion, you can't move like, you can't call the nurse over. 
you're probably trying to blink to get someone's attention. That's all he could do. So he ended up writing a book. He ended up writing a book by having a helper. So eventually they realized he was alive. And he wrote a book by having a helper arrange the French alphabet in order of most frequently used letters and blinked his way letter by letter, or the person read letter by letter until he blinked. And then the person, okay, that was a A. And then the person said, you know, in French, A, B, C, D, blink. All right, that's a D. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, blink. You know, there's no ADKs, I know that. But um, think about that. And he, he wrote a book called The Diving Bell and the Butterfly, published in March 7, 2009, uh, 1997, March 7, 1997. And this is the beginning. So he has locked-in syndrome. Basically, his body has become his prisoner. His body has become his prisoner. And he talks about, the, the name of the book is The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Diving Bell is kind of like what Chris was saying. If, you know, if you ever taken a bucket when you were a kid and pushed it straight down underwater, like in a pool, and you trap an air pocket under there, you know, I used to do, like, I would just go straight down, you know, and you can breathe. And the, well, that was a diving bell. How they used to do work underwater earlier, early on was they would have a huge metallic, you know, cast iron bell and literally lower it down there. And if you're in there, the pressure is trapped. The, the pressure that gets trapped in there is the pressure, pressure at uh, sea level. So you can go way down and be breathing and normal and then like do some stuff, you know, under the bell to like do some underwater construction. So everyone get what a diving bell is? So he says, I am a butterfly trapped in a diving bell. I have enough oxygen to breathe and live, but I want to flutter all over the world and do things. I have dreams. I have imaginations. I'm an author. I have an, I'm an actor. I led an active life. I lived a very social life. But now what used to be my manifestation has become my limitation. This is, this is the opening lines of the book. Through the frayed curtain at my window, a wan glow announces the break of day. Something like a giant invisible diving bell holds my whole body prisoner. Paralyzed from head to toe, my mind intact, is imp I'm imprisoned inside my own body, unable to speak or move. In my case, blinking my left eyelid is my only means of communication. So the point here is our body can either be our manifestation or our limitation. What happens when Christ's body stops functioning? We are the body of Christ. What kind of body are we to Christ? Jean-Dominique Bobby had locked-in syndrome. Is the Lord locked in within us? Are we locking in the Lord? The Lord has all sorts of desires and intentions and aspirations and thoughts about how to live on earth again, about where to go, about when to go somewhere, about who to speak to, about how to express something to a weak and needy member, either in humanity or in his body. And the very thing that he depends on for his manifestation and move is uncooperative. It's unresponsive. He's trying to blink his left eye and no one can tell. So I just want to bring this out here to show you how crucial the body of Christ is to Christ in his manifestation and move. And how, how Christ manifests and moves is through our function. So we're going to get into function here in a little bit, but I wanted to set it up kind of with this kind of understanding so we realize being the body of Christ is a huge privilege and responsibility. Okay? Okay, so let's go ahead and... Um, so that's related to function. And before we jump into this uh, next part, I just want to look at members one of another real quick. 
members one of another. Okay, so members one of another, and we're going to get into this on the function and the feeling of the body, but we are not only, the body is not only crucial related to Christ for his manifestation and move, the body, uh, like I said, on multiplied strength is crucial to us, to our supply, to our overcoming. And this is the crucial movement we need to make from just being a son. You know, have you ever met somebody on campus who's like, yeah, man, it's, I read my Bible in my dorm, I watch YouTube sermons, I listen to podcasts. And, you know, we meet people like this. We, we're trying to invite them to church or to the meeting or to fellowship. And their kind of thought is, well, I'm pretty good because I've, I've, got a great, I've got a great YouTube pastor I watch or I've got a great podcast I listen to or I read my Bible all the time. Have you ever met someone like that? Mm-hmm. So their concept is kind of like, I don't really need like church, you know, because like my relationship with Christ is great. So that person is just in son mode, right? Me and I'm a son in the father's house. I get to enjoy. The crucial movement we need to make is to a member life. And again, if we never make that crucial move, there will be things in our life we will never be able to get through or overcome on our own. So listen to this. This is Deuteronomy 32.30. And it's a question, all right? It's almost like a riddle. How shall one chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to flight? Deuteronomy 32.30. How shall one chase a thousand, one person chase a thousand enemies, whereas two can chase 10,000. Wow. So one chases 1,000, two, two chase 10,000. So you chase 1,000 and you chase 1,000. Two would chase how many? But how many would you think they would chase? 2,000. 1,000 for you, 1,000 for you. You combine forces, you chase 2,000. But the word says when two come together, they chase 10,000. You don't have added strength. You have multiplied strength by a factor of five. When we get into the body of Christ vitally and in practical relations, we will find that our chasing power towards our enemies is multiplied five times. What you can never do on your own, what you can never overcome by yourself, what you struggle with, prayed for, wept before the Lord to overcome on your own, when you get built up with the brothers... All of a sudden, you have five times the strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't this good news? We need to see the provision is available to us in the body of Christ. The question is, who are you practically related to? Can you think right now, a name, two names, three names, I am practically related to this member in the body. In other words, if I needed prayer, I could say, brother, pray for me. Do you have someone like that? This is, this is kind of where we're going. We're members one of another. We need to avail ourselves of the supply in the body. Yes. Hallelujah. All right, let's go look at um, the next section here. So don't you want this? Don't you want this kind of experience? You're part of God's manifestation. You're part of God's move. And the riches and the resources and the strength of the body is constantly flowing into you through practical and vital relationships. Okay, if you want this, we need to see three requirements, all right? So let's read uh, Romans 12, 1, this next verse, under uh, Roman numeral 2. Let's read it. Ready, set, go. I exhort you, therefore, brothers, through the compassions of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. 
Okay, so under uh, so circle present, circle present, and then underline your bodies. So first requirement for the body of for the body life to be a reality is present your body. Your body is needed for the body. If you want to experience the body of Christ, show up. When the body of Christ is gathering somewhere, be there. When the brothers are getting together on campus, you need to physically be there. You need to present yourself. Don't just say, well, I'm, I'm for the body. I love the body. I'm, you know, I'm for the, what the Lord's doing. But then the brothers are together and you're not there. So Paul says, present your body. Okay, then if we, we will do this if we see the Lord's compassions. So compassions is Paul's one word summary for Romans 1 through 8. Paul summarizes the whole experience of Romans 1 through 8 through, through the word compassions. In other words, the Lord has had many compassions on us in forgiving us, in justifying us, in reconciling us, in cleansing us, in sanctifying us, and in glorifying us one day. That's the Lord's compassions. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. If we see the Lord's compassions, we will have a logical response to that, which is our presenting our body for his service. So I want to tell you another quick story. Uh, my wife's parents, uh, my wife's grandparents, um, sponsored a Vietnamese family in 1975 to come to America. So there was a kind of a program going on uh, after the Vietnam War. And basically, if you sponsored a family, you could bring them over and kind of get them a new life and a new start. And so um, Caitlin's grandparents did this in 1975, okay? So they sponsored this family. They had young kids. Uh, the, the family was young themselves. And out of gratitude and out of uh, a kind of a, 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 a recognition of what this family did for them, every single year, this family brought over to Caitlin's grandparents homemade egg rolls. Every single year. Like they're still doing it. 43 years strong. They haven't missed a single year. They show up on Christmas with a huge batch of 100 handmade egg rolls and say, thank you for bringing us to America. It's because of you that we're here. Think about that. I mean, imagine if you were Caitlin's grandparents. Like one year, you're like, wow, that's really nice. You know, it's great to see you guys again. And then the second year happened, you're like, wow, man, you guys are great. Like, we, you know, wow, thank you. You know, thank you. You know, you don't got to thank me. Thank you. And then five years, and then 10 years, and then 20 years, and then 30 years, and now it's their kids who are bringing them. You sense their, their, their response to what this family did not have to do for them. And then just two years ago, Caitlin's grandmother passed away. And we were there at the house. And um, the mom found out that the grandma passed away. And she came with tears. She, she, she found out she came with tears saying, you know, she said, it, it was all because of her. It's all because of her that we're here. We owe her everything. We owe her our entire life. That's just a human, that's just a human compassion. What kind of compassions have, has God had for us? He saved us. He regenerated us. He's changing us from the inside. He's made us his sons, not just brought the wet dog in from the, from the cold. He's put us in the position of manifesting him and moving with him. If we see the compassions God has had for us, we will have what Paul calls 
reasonable service, the most reasonable thing to do is to show up for the Lord year after year. Lord, we're here again. Lord, we recognize you did not have to do this, Lord. You chose me. You, you separated me. You called me, Lord. And in response, I'm doing the only thing that makes sense. I'm presenting my body for your use. This is consecration. It's the first thing that's required to realize the body life. In response to God's compassions toward us, we make a logical presentation for his, for his body. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Lord, for your compassions. Wow. Okay, um, wow, so that's so touching. All right, the second thing we need is in verse 2 and 3. Let's read these two verses. Ready, set, go. All right, so circle, uh, be transformed, and then underlined the mind. So first requirement for the body of life to be practically realized is we present our bodies. We show up in response to the Lord's compassions for us. The second requirement, and really the first thing you'll notice when you show up in the body, is you need a lot of transformation in how you think about people. You need a lot of transformation of your mind. How we think affects the body of Christ. Amen. We're members one of another, Amen. but we're members completely different from one another. Yeah. And we're going to see in a, section, sec in a second, we all have different functions. We all have different gifts. We all have different measures. And the first requirement, once we've made the presentation to, our, to the body, is we need our mind renewed about how we think about our fellow members. If our mind is not renewed, we will be together, but there won't be much body of Christ because we'll be like, man, that brother always does that. Pfft. I can't stand it when that brother shares, you know, that brother shares too long. That brother shares too loud. That brother's never serious. That brother's always serious. <laughs> or, or we'll get with him. We're like, that brother always has bad ideas. When's he going to learn he has bad ideas and we never follow him? I mean, have you ever thought something like this yes. towards another member in the body? Yes. Okay, do you need your mind renewed, yes or no? Yes. Okay, we need another requirement. Yes. If our mind's not renewed, we will be together, but we won't be together as a body. Wow. We'll be together as haters, as enemies, as criticizers. The exact opposite of a, you know, of a, of a gathering of members working together for the, for the whole of one person. Okay, let me give you some examples of thoughts that need renewing. I can make it on my own. I can make it on my own. If you're thinking like that, you need your mind renewed. I can do it by myself. I got a friend who needs the gospel preached, and I'm just going to do it myself. That's, that's not the body. At least get someone to pray for you. Why is that brother so whack? Okay, so our thinking affects the body. Our thinking affects the body. That's the point here. And it's interesting. We would think the first requirement would be transformed and then present yourself. But it's actually present yourself and then be transformed. And the reason is 
You'll never realize how much you need to be transformed until you show up with the body of Christ. Until you show up in practical connection and relation and service and you're working together. You, you won't realize you need that much transformation. And then the other implication is when we show up, we realize who can help me be transformed? None other than this member. Isn't that awesome? So the body is the context for our transformation. It's awesome. Okay, so um, the, the last point here is don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. So we'll see that in a minute. We need a sober assessment of our place in the body of Christ. All right, we need a sober assessment. And we're going to see there's two dangers on our self-assessment. Either number one, there's envy. We envy the other brother's functions. Well, I want to be that, like that brother. Like I want, to, I want to share like Chris Hall. Well, guess what? No one's Chris Hall except Chris Hall. And guess what? If you became Chris Hall, the body would no longer have you. The body would lose an irreplaceable member. So if you became Chris Hall, that would be a detriment to the body. That wouldn't be a benefit to the body. That would be a loss to the body. You are an irreplaceable member of the body of Christ. If you do not function in your measure according to your portion, the body is missing your function. If you became Chris Hall, the body is missing your function. Does that make sense? Okay, so don't think, number one, less than yourself. Don't think, oh man, I don't got anything. I wish I was Chris Hall. Number two, and that's what Paul's saying here, don't think high-mindedly. Don't be proud. In other words, don't think, well, you know, man, when's everyone going to get on my level, right? Like, come on, step up. Function like me. Share like me. Do what I can do. That's also a hurt, hurtful thought to the body of Christ. You're never more than a member, and you're never less than a member. You are an irreplaceable member of the body of Christ in your function and in your measure. And when we see that, that will be a great release to us just to be who we are in relation to the body. All right, let's look at the next one here. Point, uh, next verse, 11. Let's read this together. Set, go. All right, circle burning, underline spirit. We've got a presented body, a transformed mind, and a burning spirit. So the last thing we need in the body of Christ is to be on fire in our spirit. Be on fire, be burning in spirit, serving the Lord. So do y'all got the three requirements for the body life? The body life requires all of you, body, soul, and spirit, presented, transformed, and on fire. All right, let's go to the next section here on the functions of the body. Let's read these two verses, verse 3 and 6. Okay, so in this context, Paul is talking about the functions of the body. So we got two words here, function and feeling in the next two points. Okay, so first thing is we all have a different measure. We all have a different measure. The quality of our faith is the same. The quality is the same, but the quantity is different. We have different measures. And we also have different gifts in verse 6. We have different gifts. And so in Romans, I just kind of gave you the what here. Paul lists seven gifts right here. Prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, and showing mercy. And then I also gave you five how words, adjectives he uses to describe how to function with these gifts. Proportional, in other words, in proportion. Faithful, simple, diligent, and cheerful. Be a cheerful functioning member. 
Amen? Amen. Happy to be who you are? Happy to be in relation to the body where you are? And happy to be with your measure? Okay, so different measure and different gifts, okay? But the crucial thing is we need to function. We need to function. So just think, just think, review, review your last month's history of being a member of the body of Christ. Just think back last month. How much did you function? How much did we function? Just think about it. How much did I function last month? I'm a member of the body of Christ. How much did I function? I'm not asking you to function more than your measure, but I just want you to function according to your measure. So when we come together, we should have a function. We should do something. We should contribute something. Prayer, prophecy, shepherding, you know, helping hand. What'd you say? Hospitality. Hospitality. Yeah, we're going to hit that. So we need to be in function in the body of Christ. If you're worried that you don't have that much function, Paul gives us the secret here of where does our function come from? Can anybody think where our function comes from? How does it develop? Grace. Gifts according to grace. What this means is the enjoyment of God, a.k.a. grace, produces your gift. So one time when I was in junior high, I was in sixth grade, one of my first group projects ever. And this girl in my group, she asked me, hey, what's your gift, man? My pastor's talking about gifts at church. What's your gift? I was in sixth grade, man. I was like, I have no, what are you, I was like, what, what are you talking about? Like, I don't know what my gift is. And she was like, oh yeah, my gift is, you know, I can't remember what she said, but she knew what her gift was, you know, in sixth grade. So uh, it's like, I don't know if that really was her gift or she just thought that was a gift or, but how do we know what her gift is? It's whatever the enjoyment of, of Christ produces in us. So if you want to know what your gift is, don't just try and start doing stuff. Just start enjoying the Lord. Amen. Your gift is according to grace. Amen. The more we're full of Christ, the more we're full of grace, spontaneously life functions according to the measure of your enjoyment of grace through faith. Amen. That's what Paul's saying in these two verses. So we need to give ourselves radically to the enjoyment of grace. Wow. When we're full of grace, spontaneously a function will emerge. Amen. And that function will feel so, quote, quote, natural so spontaneous, so right. Have you, ever, have you ever tried to function in a way and you just feel like you're just, it's just, it's just like, it's just not you. It's just not, it's not flowing. It's just overboard. It's just, and you know, that's basically you were functioning not out of, the, out of the production of grace. So we need to enjoy grace and our function will flow. Is that our spiritual gift? That's our spiritual gift. So your spiritual gift is constituted of two things. Number one, your your natural abilities according to God's creation. So God has created us all differently. This is the two things your gift is produced by. God's creation of you in a unique way, but then the enjoyment of grace that adds the element of Christ to that unique creation of God. So two things produce your gift, who you are by God's creation and who you become by grace. Remember, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, I am what I am, by the grace of God. And sometimes we read into that verse unconsciously, I am, by, I am what I am by the mercy of God. In other words, we kind of read it like, wow, man, praise God, I'm not any worse, you know? I am, by, I am what I am by God's mercy. So you better be happy I'm, like, you know, I'm not worse or something. They're like, whew, thank God, I just, I just am what I am, you know? Like, you know, we think like that, right? Whew, I, it's, just, it's just God's mercy that I'm just like this. But actually what Paul's saying is, I am what I am by the grace of God. 
Grace has produced my spiritual constitution. Grace has produced my spiritual, my spiritual identity. I am what I am by the enjoyment of God. Wow. That's how you become something in the body of wow. Christ. So that's how, your, that's how your gift is produced. You don't have to change who you are by creation, but you need to add the enjoyment of Christ. Okay, now here's one thing to catch. The Lord puts us in particular situations. Number one, the Lord has created us according to a particular constitution. And then the Lord puts us in a particular situation so that we can enjoy our particular grace and develop a particular function. You catch that? Particular creation uh, of God, who you are. God places you in a particular situation so that you can enjoy a particular grace. Only you can enjoy that aspect of Christ in that situation. And when you do that, you will produce a unique expression of Christ in your function. So when we resist the situation the Lord has us in, we're actually resisting the future function the Lord's trying to bring out. The Lord has you there to enjoy a certain aspect of Christ. So just open the Lord. Lord, here I am. I don't know how to be here. I don't know how to get out. I don't know what I need. But Lord, I just open to your grace. Amen. Lord, flow in, Lord, and gain what you want to gain in this situation. Okay, so that's, that's the gifts according to grace. Okay, so one last thing to understand here is one of Satan's main strategies against the body of Christ. I don't know if you realize Satan has strategies against God's desire, right? So one of his main strategies is to annul the function of the members. To annul the function of the members. That's one of his main strategies. So in a very real sense, Satan fears our function more than our personal faith in the blood. Remember, Chris shared faith in the blood, right? Romans 3, 24, 25. I can't remember what it is. We have faith in his blood that makes us a regenerated son of God. And Satan fears that because he knows the more people get saved, the more God's kingdom comes. But he, in a very real sense, fears our function more because it's when we function that the body of Christ comes into function in reality. And we're going to see, just glance down at the very bottom of the page here, we're going to see in a second, our function in the body of Christ eventually will crush Satan under our feet. Amen. The feet of the functioning members of the body of Christ. As weak as they are in themselves, as limited as they are in themselves, when they're together functioning as the body of Christ, Satan fears that because he knows his time is limited. So he fears our function. So he tries to do all sorts of things to get us not to function, such as comparing ourselves, belittling our function, feeling like we can't function because we had a failure this week. So we need to prioritize the function of, of each one part. And that's why, if you've been around us, we always open time for people to share. In our Bible says we give people the sh time to share. Sunday morning, we give people a chance to share. We are trying to develop the function of each one part so that the body of Christ can come into existence, so that God's purpose could be accomplished. Isn't that awesome? Okay, so that's, that's on uh, Satan's strategy. Okay, let's, um, let's look at this next section here on the feeling. Let's read uh, through these verses, all right? Ready, set, go. Love one another warmly in brotherly love. Take a lead in showing honor one to another. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Pursue hospitality. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. 
Okay, so I've titled this section The Feeling of the Body. So we have the functions in the body and we have the feeling within the body. And so the, the balance here is we don't want to be a functioning member with no feeling for the body. What do we call something on the body that can function with the body but that does, has no feeling in the body? Cancer? No, not cancer. That would be like over-functioning. No? Robert's on the right track. What would you say, Robert? A robot. A prosthetic. Don't be a prosthetic member. Functioning with the mem members of the body, just doing what you can do, but you have zero feeling. So some brother's weeping, and you are oblivious. You're just like functioning away. The body's hurting, and you're just functioning away. Brothers, let's go preach the gospel. And you're talking to somebody who's bleeding on the inside. Wow. Are you aware of the feeling of the other members? Wow. Or some brother is rejoicing. And you are like, man, I wish that was me, right? You're jealous or you're just like, why is that brother so happy all the time, you know? Where is our feeling for the other members of the body? If they rejoice, we should rejoice. Amen. Even if it has nothing to do with us. It actually does have something to do with us. He's your member. Or if a brother's weeping, if a brother's low, we should feel that. We should sympathize. We should enter into that. So there needs to be a rich feeling. So I know since we've focused so much on our function, I want to add this for us to consider so that we're not imbalanced on just being a very functioning member, but not much feeling for the brothers. So look at what Paul says here. Love one another warmly. How's your love meter? What's the temperature of your love for the brothers you live with? Is your love the, the temperature back in Enchanted Rock? You got a 43 degree love. Ooh, chilly. Icy. Right? Love one another warmly. It's interesting. Paul says function with a burning spirit. But he says love one another with a warm spirit. So in your, in your love for another, don't burn them. Bring them to the fireside and have the fireside chat, nice and warm and pleasant, full of feeling, right? And then he says, take the lead in showing honor one to another. I know the brothers, you know, we like to joke, right, and kind of make fun of each other and like put each other down and kind of, you know, like get at each other. It's easy to do, right? Kind of, you know. When was the last time you showed honor to one of the brothers? Said, brother, you know, you are so good at, Whatever. You know, you're, you're really good at the truth, brother. I really appreciate that with you. Or Omar, man, I really love your zealous spirit, man. You're always just like, let's go, brothers. Or Amen. Honor one another. Yeah. Think about what kind of feeling there would be among us if we were mutually honoring one another. Wow. I was telling Josh earlier, we should be able to say to one another, what, brother, what you can do, I could never do. Wow. I could never do that, brother. I appreciate that from you. But also what I can do, you could never do. I mean, you can throw that in there. You, know? <laughs> you can throw that in there. It's true. It's true. What you can do, I can never do. Wow. Bro, I need you. I appreciate that. Amen. I can never be Chris Hall. And praise God, I don't want to be Chris Hall. Amen. And I hope no one else here does. Yeah. Be you in the body. Amen. And we need to hear from Chris and from me. What y'all could do, we could never do. Think about what kind of honoring and receptivity and appreciation and, and, and enjoyment of the riches of Christ in the body. Imagine a hand running off and trying to accomplish a great life work. 
without the body. <laughs> it's silly. Yeah, silly. Okay, look at this next one. Contribute to the needs of the saints. When was the last time you contributed something to somebody's need? Okay, so this can, you know, all sorts of ranges here, but, you know, let's take some simple ones. Uh, you got a home meeting, right? You go to a home meeting. When was the last time you contributed something to the meal? Wow. Right? You just showed up with some, some rolls. Pretty easy to buy the dinner rolls, you know. They don't even got to cook them, you know. You just rip them in half. That's all the prep you need. Or some, some drinks, right? Or a salad. This is base level. This is base level. Wow. Contributing, though. Are you just a receiver of contributions or are you a contributor to the needs of the saints right. listen to this when i was in college uh, so you guys from lubbock um i got this idea from david gideon so y'all think this this is hilarious david gideon y'all can ask him about this later too please do he'll, he'll get a big kick out of this david gideon used to have these shoes he called them the weed whack wire shoes and what they were there was kind of like a just a plain white sneaker low top kind of like you know your yard work trashy summer shoe you just didn't ever wear it with socks and he had taken out all the strings and he had them secured with one piece of weed whacker wire that he had fused together with a lighter so like you got like a weed whack wire weed whacker wire kind of like string strand like fused together burned together at the tip and that was right here like right on the top of the tongue so you know there was a little security on your shoe so it didn't just, it didn't just flop off so y'all got the weed whacker wire shoe down so I'm, I'm a little younger than David, and like his, his brother is one of my best friends growing up. So I knew David Gideon growing up. I made my own weed whacker wire shoes. I thought it was so cool, right? Never wore them with socks. You know, I just wore them all around. And so, you know, they get pretty trashy. Of course, I was proud of that. You know, it was kind of the, it was kind of the point, you know. Like. And I was on campus in college and uh, sitting down at an appointment, and someone walked up and handed me an envelope and kind of walked away. And I opened it, and it was money for shoes. <laughs> I mean, you could take that one of two ways, right? <laughs> you could take that one of two ways. But think about it. Somebody noticed my shoes. I mean, I know all girls notice shoes, but this was a brother. There's a brother. Somebody noticed my shoes and felt to contribute to my need. You think that touched me? You think that touched me? Yeah, that did. Another brother, when I was in high school, I used to go to his, his home meeting. He lived in Arlington. I'd drive over there. I lived in Irving, about maybe a 25-minute drive. Always, or not, I shouldn't say always, but very, very often, he would meet me at the door as I was leaving. He's like, brother, praise the Lord. Thanks for coming. Here's a little gas money, brother. It's 20. Praise the Lord. Wow. He did that very frequently, very frequently. He contributed. What, what kind of feeling do you think I had towards that brother? When that brother shared, do you think I just, my being was just wide open? Absolutely. This same brother, we would go out to eat with a bunch of brothers. We'd go to, you know, very fancy uh, restaurants, uh, establishments, such as Carl's Jr. Um, <coughs> and Jack in the Box. And uh, this is what he would do. He would, he would, he would go f uh, first in line with all the brothers would be behind him. He would pay f first with like a, like, you know, a 20 or something or, maybe a 50 sometimes, and basically, you know, get his $8 value meal or whatever. And he would leave the change up front. He'd say, all right, brothers, just whoever needs, just grab. Just take whatever you need to pay for your meal. And we would all just, all right, just pick up your, your cash. And so he was contributing. There was another brother who took me out almost twice a week, all through high school, twice a week. 
So anyways, why would you do that? You would only do that if you had a feeling for the other members. Okay, so uh, last one here on 16, be of the same mind toward one another, going along with the lowly. In other words, we're all guilty of, uh, we see two brothers, you know, one's over here at this table, one's over here at this table, you know, maybe we're walking up at the college conference, and one brother's, you know, always in the word, always got some great enjoyment, always, you know, just got something going, very exciting brother, very charismatic brother, and over here is a lowly brother, a lowly brother, it says going along with the lowly. So not much is going on with him, easy to look down on. Who do you go sit with? We're all guilty of wanting to go to this brother, right? But Paul here says, be of the same mind. So we should look at these two brothers and go, ooh, hard to, oh man, they're just the same. Which one should I go to? Ah, it's hard to make up my mind. And then he goes, all right, I know, I'm going to go with this brother. Going along with the lowly. And that, and that show you the feeling, the depth of the feeling in the members of the body of Christ. So anyways, very, very good. Okay, let's finish off here. The goal of the body. Let's read this verse, Romans 15, 2. Ready, set, go. All right, so uh, underline a view. So during our function and our feeling in the body, we always have a view. And that view is the building up of the body, okay? The building up. So we need to keep this view in mind. When we're functioning in the meetings, when we're with the brothers, with that depth of feeling, our view is we are building up the body of Christ. So there was a story of two stonemasons in the Middle Ages. Two stonemasons. I studied architectural engineering. Eleanor studying uh, architecture. There's these guys called medieval master, medieval master masons. Medieval master masons. How's that for alliteration? And these guys would superintend the whole, you know, those cathedrals took hundreds of years, so they would pass the designs down and kind of keep things in line. So there's st two stonemasons during the Middle Ages chiseling away a block of stone. And the guy comes up to him and he goes, what are you all doing? And the first guy says, I'm perfectly chiseling a square stone. And the other guy says, I'm building a cathedral. Wow. There's a difference of views. They were doing the same thing. Who do you think was more motivated? The guy who had a realization of the bigger picture. So what motivates us to function is not just, oh, yeah, I know the brother Sam's supposed to show up and share Sunday morning for two minutes and just it's a cool way to have the meeting. I just have to have a perfect prophecy. We need to realize we are building a cathedral. We are building God's dwelling place. That's the view. Okay, and what's the consummation? The fulfillment of Genesis 1.26. Let's read these two verses together. Ready, set, go. And there's an amen on there. Yeah, sorry, amen. So underline, crush Satan and to him be the glory. So what we see in Romans is this panoramic view of the gospel of God, taking us all the way from sinners to sons and from sons to members for the body of Christ to be realized in its function and with the depth of its feeling for God's manifestation and move, which is the fulfillment of the reason he created us to begin with. Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image and let them have dominion. So God gains good news for himself through his work in humanity in the gospel of God by building us up to be his members of his body, flowing through us, shining through us, and through us crushing the devil. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Okay, hallelujah. Let's, uh, let's pray with our neighbor two by two, and I think we're going to have plenty of time to have some overflow. So we want to hear from you guys what y'all enjoyed, what y'all were touched with. So let's pray two by, new, two, two by two, then we'll open it up.